Our missions update tonight is the Cronin family, our missionaries to the Wales, United Kingdom. This is Brother Preston, Miss Wendy, and their children, Riley and Cole. In their most recent letter, Brother Preston writes, In the first few months of the new year, we have remained busy assisting at the chapel. We continue to distribute leaflets and personal invitations to service without any visual results. That gets very discouraging, but we have to keep in mind that our responsibility is the labor and not the results. I meet so many people that are uninterested in the gospel. But again, we have to keep planting the seed and just trusting the Lord to bring the increase. I have continued to be able to preach out some the last couple of months in England and Scotland. Last fall, the Lord gave me a burden to learn about print design. Our home church back in Georgia, Calvary Baptist Church, is home to the Calvary Stand Print Ministry. And I was able to get some advice from Brother Bill Goins on what program to use. Since then, I have been taking some time to develop the skills to make basic flyers and leaflets. I am currently working on some for Saren Chapel and other churches located in England. I am praying that this will be another avenue of ministry where we can develop material and be a help to other churches. As we move forward this year, I am praying for the Lord to give us open doors and clear direction for His will in our lives. As with anyone serving in a ministry, I had my goals and expectations as we prepared to come to the field. But when you get active where God has called you, He begins to show you things that are not exactly what you had planned. We just want to remain faithful and trust God to use us in His way and in His place. Thank you for all that you do for our family. We are so honored to partner with you and look forward to working with you for many years to come. This is from Brother Preston, Miss Wendy, Riley, and Cole Cronin. They asked if you would please pray for people to open up to the gospel, the outreaches of the church here, open doors for our family, for encouragement, and then for the other families serving around the world. So we do want to be faithful to pray for the Cronin family. Also, I did want to ask special prayer request for the Groeneveld family. They were supposed to be flying out to Togo, West Africa, uh, here on May the 1st. But with all of the issues with the coronavirus, that flight has been canceled, postponed to a later date. So they were a little discouraged not to be able to get on the plane and be heading out to what God called them to do. But ultimately, they're asking for God's will and we're praying, partnering with them, that the Lord will be working in that situation, as well as all of our missionaries all around the world preaching the gospel. Well, good evening, church, and welcome to tonight's Bible study and prayer time. And I'm going to change things up a little bit tonight. I want to go right into uh, the Bible study this evening. But then at the end of the Bible study time, what I want to do is uh, then go to a more specific prayer time tonight. And and bring some specific folks before the Lord and, and use some special scripture that I think will help us in our prayer time. So all that will be coming, but if you would take your Bibles tonight and open to Psalm 1. And actually, have your Bibles handy. We're going to be looking at a few different passages this evening. I kind of set out this morning uh, really not sure about what direction to go in for tonight. 
But uh, I began to just try to pray about it and wait on the Lord. And I kept coming back to Psalm 1. But I also had some other passages in my heart. And as the morning went along, I was able to kind of see where the Lord was leading in all of this. And so I'm really excited tonight to bring this message. And I, I really believe it will be a help to you and an encouragement to you. Now, it's not anything new. And it's not stuff that, it's not things and truth that we haven't been talking about to some degree lately, but I believe tonight the specific focus on this will help you. Now, what am I talking about? Well, if you've seen the title of the study tonight, maybe through the notes or what have you, uh, we're going to be looking at creating sacred space in our life. And uh, I just want to spend some time developing that a little bit tonight and getting the very best example of how to do that uh, from none other than the Lord Jesus himself. And I don't want to get myself in trouble, but we talk about sacred space, creating space. And a lot of times we don't have room for God in our life because we have cluttered our life, cluttered our day, cluttered our heart with other stuff and things. Well, I, I don't want to get myself in trouble, I said, but this was a kind of a pretty good illustration, I think, of what I'm talking about. Yesterday, Athena was working in our basement, trying to clean it up a little bit and doing a fabulous job, got some help from the children. And uh, But she said this to me afterwards. She said, I'd like to get a few storage bins, boxes, so that we can take some of all this loose stuff and pack it away neatly down here. Well, my first thought to that and my reply was, well, why don't we just get rid of all the stuff that won't fit in the boxes we already have? You know, declutter, get rid of stuff, cut it back. And I think that's kind of how it goes a lot in our life. Sometimes we just look at how can we pack more in, pack more in, when I believe that God wants us to consider the alternative to that, which is to remove some things from our life. And, and tonight as we study this together, I believe that's the point God is trying to bring us to, even in this season that we're in, is that this is a time for us to cut out some things, remove some things, but more directly to tonight so that we can have more of God in our day, more of God in our life, more of God in our heart. So um, as we continue to go through this sort of strange season that we're in, this is a truth that I feel compelled to develop not only in my own life, but to continue to teach to you and to help you with. How do we create the sacred space in our life? And so right now we want to look at Psalm 1. And again, if you have your Bibles, you'll want to turn uh, with us to some other places as we go. But Psalm 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I want to stop right there because that's the main part of the psalm that we're going to be considering tonight. You know, right now in the middle of all these things that we are going through, uh, I, the experiences that we're having, some of them are shared experiences. You know, like all of us know what it's like to go to the store right now and find the empty paper product shelves. All of us know what it's like now to come together and have church over the internet or if you're using the CDs or DVDs that we're sending out. So all those experiences can be kind of shared. We all know what it's like to distance ourselves from family and friends during this season. And then we have some unique experiences. Some of us are working at home now. Some have been laid off of work or not, you know, not able to work right now. Some have been sick. Uh, some have already experienced the loss of a friend or a loved one. And in a time you know, when funerals and, and family visits can't even happen, and that makes it all the more difficult. Well, oddly enough, you know, I was thinking, you know, we thought we had it rough two or three months ago. I mean, stop and think with me. You look back a couple of months ago before all this stuff was going on, and, you, you know, we all uh, went through days and times where we said, you know what, man, life's tough. I need a break. I need some rest. I need to, I need to cut some stuff out. I don't think I'm the only one that's felt that before. And so isn't it funny to look back on that and, and feel that way and now uh, remember where we are or see where we are today. You know, remember when you think about the differences. Remember when they didn't have your favorite meat on sale? Now you go to the store and you might not even find meat at all. You remember when, uh, when your Internet was too slow and you were complaining about it? Now you're just thankful to have any so you can access things like Bible study, maybe connect with some friends. I tell you, perspective is huge. It's huge. And how we choose to look at the times and the circumstances really matters. It really does. 
is God in this thing, or is God somehow being undermined by the enemy here? The enemy's got the upper hand in all of this. Are we worse off today, or are we better off today than we were before all of this? You know, perspective tells me that no matter what our circumstances, one thing every one of us have in common is this shared need and opportunity for more of God in our life. Now let me take you to another place tonight. I want to go to Paul's letter of 2 Corinthians. And you remember 2 Corinthians, I told you the other day, this is the spiritual war chronicles of the Apostle Paul. And I want to look here at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother unto the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in Achaia. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. What a great description. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed, pressed out of measure, he says, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Now, when I read those, those verses right there, what, what do we see? We see something about Paul's perspective in difficult times, troubled times. What he's saying is, he's saying this suffering is nothing more or less than an opportunity to experience the comfort of God. What a great perspective that is for my life and yours in the season that we're in right now. He says this, this suffering, this difficulty, this tribulation, this trouble, it is an opportunity for us to experience more of God's comfort. And why? So that we can share that with others who are in need. Now look, we're all going through this together right now. But I promise you, we've said it already, and you know it, this isn't the last trouble you'll go through in life. And you'll get through this, and if you do it right, you'll learn some things about God, about who He is. You'll learn some things about His heart, His will, and you'll be able to take that to somebody else in their days of trouble that are to come and be a blessing to them. And, uh, you know, you notice something else in that reading right there. Paul, Paul kind of uh, demonstrates for us how that Paul and the Corinthians, not only uh, were they united in the suffering, but in their praying for one another. Did you see that? Not only are they united by the trouble and, and, the, and, and all that that brought, but they are united by their prayers for one another. And Paul said as a result of that, we got better, we got stronger. And so the fact is that there was spiritual growth that came out of what Paul described as, as, as being pressed out of measure. Now, I know you're going to feel some of that in these days. You're going to feel pressed out of measure. But friends, child of God, I promise you, if we do this thing right, we will come out of this stronger in our walk with God, and in our love for one another, pressed out of measure. I look back, you know, at the last few years, maybe several years, and I don't have to try hard to remember how easily it is that I can get frustrated, I can get bogged down, I can get run down with the pace of life. That constant drive to do, to go, to accomplish more. I mean, it works on all of us, and some of us more prone to it than others, I suppose. But let me say this, wholeness is part of holiness. And being frazzled is not wholeness. You know what I mean by that. Being frazzled, uh, being bent out of shape, torn out of frame, however you want to phrase it. So what do I need more of in my life? I need more of God's peace. 
I need more of God's love. I need more of his truth, his mercy. I need more of what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 <laughs> tells me about. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. I need less, listen to this, I need less of doing for God and more of dwelling with God. That's what I need in my life. And I think that's what you need in your life. You know, I was thinking about this. Why should vacation be the sweet spot? Really? I mean, if I can learn to create sacred spaces in my life, then I can have that every day. I don't have to wait till vacation time to get it. I can have it every day or most days anyway, if we're honest. And then vacation just becomes icing on the cake. And I think about that because I, I did some reading back on some of my notes in my journal, my prayer journal, uh, even back in February when Athena and I were on vacation, how wonderful that those days were. It really just felt like a spiritual fitness retreat. But I'm telling you, we can have that day in and day out. And that was in February. That was a month out before any of this stuff started. And boy, God was setting us up and preparing us for this season. I'm convinced of that. So um, as I follow Jesus, and I want to take you now to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, and I want to give an example. Uh, Psalm 1, we're, we're studying Psalm 1, but I want to show you how it's lived out in Jesus' life. And when you come to Mark chapter 3, I see the busyness of ministry that Jesus is in here. And, uh, you know, the Bible shows us here about how Jesus is, um, and I've talked about this before, but he's, he starts out in, in the beginning of the chapter, he's in the synagogue, he's teaching, he's healing, he's confronting, you know, evil spirits, he's dealing with all this stuff. He's a busy man in the ministry. And uh, it, it really goes from busy to chaotic in his life here in Mark chapter number 3. And, I, I, you know, just without reading the whole chapter, and you can find this in the chapter, but everywhere he goes, people are needing something from him. See if you feel connected to any of this. Uh, fault finders are hovering around him like buzzards. It doesn't matter what he does, where he goes, they're going to find fault with him. The unreasonable types are always around and trying to bring emotional stress in his life. There are always these plotters talking about how they're going to get rid of him, right? These are the things Jesus is dealing with on a regular basis, and I know you deal with stuff similar to that too, right? You and I both deal with that. Of course we do. It's interesting to see that as all the pressure begins to build in Jesus' life. Now again, Psalm 1 is kind of the platform here. You know, blessed is the man, happy is the man, at peace is the man, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. What does Jesus do when the pressure comes on? Well, the Bible tells us in Mark chapter uh, 3 here that Jesus departs from all of this and tells the disciples, he says, get, get, get the boat ready. I need to get down on the water. I need to get down to the sea. And he does. That's what happens. Jesus goes down to the sea. And he, he's create. what is he doing? He's creating space in his life. You see that? He's walking away from some of the busyness, some of the hectic schedule, and he's creating this space in his life to get alone. What's this all about? He, he's going to uh, provide himself with an opportunity to realign his heart with the Father and realign his heart with the priorities of his life. And I'm telling you, we are in a season right now, friends, where God is giving us that opportunity to do just that in our own lives. It's interesting to see that he goes down to the sea here in Mark chapter number 3, but he's followed. He's followed there. The work is heavy and the multitude's following him down there. But you know what? When it comes time for him to really separate, the Bible says in verse 13 of this chapter, And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came to him. I noticed the interesting thing there. When he goes up into the mountain, the crowd kind of thins out. And he's more focused there on his discipleship of the twelve. He can attend to his own soul there in prayer and meditation with the Father. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, you know, sometimes we can create a little space here and it might work for a little while, but, you know, sometimes that space isn't going to work, that place, that space isn't going to work, so we go to another place, another space. But the end of it all, the bottom line of it all, is I've got to get somewhere in the middle of a busy, hectic life and find time for God to do something in my soul that we would call restoration, just getting me back to a place of walking with him and being close to him and being productive for him. Not productive in busyness, but productive in spiritual truth, spiritual things. And we're going to see again in Psalm 1 what that's like. 
There are times in every one of our lives when we just need to pull away. We just need to separate for a season and let God attend to that wholeness of what's going on inside of us. There's a need, in other words, for creating this sacred space in our life. I, I want to say this to you. Worldliness is taxing on the soul. And this providential space that has been opened for us, this door of escape that has been brought to us really in this time, escape from the madness and the weariness of the world or in our soul, we do not need to take it for granted. The, notice in Psalm 1 again, come back there with me. He, he mentions the, this in this, Blesses the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, the counsel or the advice Blessed is the man, happy is the man that doesn't walk in the advice of the world. Let me ask you a question. Is the world where we're going to go to get our direction? Is the world where we go to get our marching orders? Of course not. And he says, and, and, and nor standeth in the way of sinners. The way, that's the road, the path, the course of the world. So is this where we derive our position from? Is this where we're going to take our stand in the place of the world? Of course not. And, and he says, blessed is the man that sitteth, that, that sitteth not in the seat of the scornful, the seat or the assembly of the world. Is this where we find our fit? Do we go to the world to find our niche? Is that where we're most concerned about fitting in? Well, it shouldn't be, right? And so happiness, blessedness, peacefulness, prosperity in spiritual things will not come from following the advice of the world. It will not come from walking in the path of the world. It will not come from assembling in the world and fitting in with the world. We've got to come out from that stuff. So watch how Psalm 1, uh, verse 1 and 2 there, watch how it kind of plays out because in, in Mark 3. But let me, let me again say, Mark 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not... In the counsel of the ungodly, stand, nor standeth in the seat of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So I told you, Jesus models this for us in Mark chapter number three. Because in verse number six, it says, And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. You see that? The counsel of the ungodly. Now, what was Jesus' response to this? Verse 7, But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea. He didn't assemble with the council. He didn't walk in their path. And he didn't let it, that mess him up. He just got away from it. Now, friends, look back on your life. You've said it just weeks ago. You were talking about how busy you were, how hard it was to keep up with everything, the demands and the schedules and the conflicts, and ah, you know, you wanted to pull your hair out. Look what God's given us. And, and I know this is not a time where there hasn't been loss. This is not a time where there hasn't been suffering. But it's not about what we don't have. This has to be about what we do have. This has to be about not what has been taken from us, but what has been offered to us by God. That's the point that I want you to see tonight. Jesus created sacred space, and he'll do it again. In verse 13, I read earlier how he goes up into the mountain. He's creating that sacred space in his life. Remember this. Remember what the world offers you this evening. I talked about this before in a previous message. The world offers you instant gratification. You know what they're telling you? They're saying, live in the moment. Operate by carnal desire. Have it your way. That's what the world offers. Instant gratification. Get what you want when you want it. What does the world offer? Constant distraction. Let your worries and cares go. Hey, just come find relief here. Find it in this form of entertainment. Find it in this type of drug. Find it in this type of activity. Just let it all go. We'll distract you. You don't have to think about anything. What does the world offer you? They offer you this vacant identification. What do I mean by that? They say to you, find out your true self here. I mean, just come get in with us. Don't worry about being anything. You can just, you know what you can do? The world says you can just adopt this false self. You can put this mask on and hide behind it, and uh, you'll look cool and you'll look acceptable to everybody else. Hey, you're doing what they're doing. You're chasing what they're chasing. It's nothing but the rat race, and it will wear us down, and God is calling us out of that. Satan offered Jesus the exact same things. You remember that? Over there, when Jesus was called up into the wilderness, Mark chapter 1, uh, Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, he offered Jesus instant gratification. He said, he said, well, turn these stones into bread. Go ahead. 
sacrifice your, your power. Sacrifice your time with the Father. You don't need prayer and fasting. You deserve to treat yourself. It's a substitute that the world offers. A substitute life. Instant gratification versus taking the time and the process to dwell with God and become a tree that is prosperous and fruitful in its season. What did he offer Jesus? Constant distraction. Remember, he took him up there and showed him all the stuff, all the glitter, all the glitz of the world. And he said, hey, if you'll just worship me and fall down before me and follow me, you see all the light, see all the, the, the excitement and the fun, you can have all of that. What is that? Nothing but a substitution. The world says to you that if you can get more things, if you can get more stuff, you can be happy. But that's not God's way. God wants to offer you himself. What did Satan offer Jesus? This vacant identification. Did he not when he took him up there on the, the wall of the temple and he said, hey, prove you really are who you say you are. Jump off this wall and let's see what happens. You know, what he was saying was, you really are a fake. <laughs> you don't have what it takes. You can't really prove that you are who you are. So how about this? Just play it safe. Just play it safe. You know, that's the message of the world to you today. Just play it safe. Just follow along with what we're telling you. Do what we're saying. Hey, there's a path of least resistance. They're offering you substitution. This world offers you a substitution for the life that God is offering and the life Jesus came to give you. We have to create space in our day, in our heart, in all of our ways for God to come in and fill us, for the Holy Spirit to lead us, for Jesus to speak to our hearts. This morning I was sitting out on my my porch in that place of prayer, and uh, I noticed a turkey, a little a turkey hen come walking out of the wood line out into the yard and uh, very peacefully walking around the yard like they do, just uh, walking along and eating, and something startled her. Something caused her to stop, and she was frozen. And after a few moments of standing perfectly still, those of you that have watched turkeys, you know they do this, deer do this, she begins to kind of pick up the pace and walks and leaves what she was doing back into the wood line. And I thought about that. She was startled by something. Here she was in the middle of a beautiful morning just enjoying herself and something startled her. And what did she do? She, she runs back into the wood line. Now, is she safe? Well, yeah, I guess she's safe where she went. But look at what it cost her. Look at what it cost her so much. She had to give up her peace of mind. She gave up her easiness of the day, that pleasant experience, that pleasant way of beginning the day, beginning the morning. And, uh, you know, how many of us are just like that hen? And here's the thing. Only we invite the disruption. We invite the disturbance into our soul, into our morning. Uh, because, you know, our way is so conformed to the way of the world. You know, we get up in the morning and we turn on the news first thing. We pick up our phones. We check Facebook. We see what notices we have. What's happening out there? Who had a better day or better night than I did yesterday and they've posted about it already? What's Trump doing today and what are the other sides saying about it? You know, how many more people are sick and have died since yesterday? What, how are my stocks and my bonds doing? I, now, that's not one that I would ever have to look into, but some of you might. You know, but think about the craziness of just jumping up and inviting all of that wild junk into our life first thing in the morning. And then we're frazzled and we're shook up and we're torn out of the frame and we spend the rest of the day like that. Hey, look, friends, God is saying to us, give your soul a break. Give your soul a break. Create some sacred space for me to fill up your soul. Now, what does creating sacred space look like? Well, again, Psalm 1 in verse 2, the Bible says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Let me say this and, and, and summarize it quickly. What does creating sacred space look like? I would say, number one, it's a consecrated heart. A consecrated heart. It begins with prayer. A prayer that's something like this, Lord, I begin with you. God, I want my heart aligned with you today. Lord, before anything else, more than anything else, I want more of you, God. I invite you into my day. I invite you into my meditation. God, show me your truth. Show me your way. Lord, prepare me as a vessel for your use today. You see, just consecrating our heart to God, that's where this, this creating sacred space begins. It's to delight in him, to delight in finding him. 
to delight in being captured by him, taken by him, letting him be the focus of your heart. So I ask you, how do you begin your day? I want to encourage you, begin your day looking for God. So it's a consecrated heart. I would say, secondly, it's a committed study. Now, he says in this verse, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Um, that, that is committed study, but before you dismiss that as unreasonable or too hard to pull off, I want to remind you of these facts. Do you know that Americans spend, on average, 395 minutes a day in digital media? That's social media, gaming, Netflix, etc. Americans spend 215 minutes a day on watching television, 80 minute, minutes a day listening to the radio, 20 minutes a day reading the paper or magazines. That's 11.8 hours a day that are given to the study of, let's be honest, mostly the world, right? But here's the thing about it. I want to remind you that this committed study of God's Word is not supposed to be like doing school. Jesus taught us that committed study is not like cramming for exam. It's, there's no checklist that you have to memorize X number of verses unless, unless... To the youth I'm speaking, you're in the pastor's challenge, then you've got to memorize verses. But there's no checklist here. There's no religious obligation. You know, that can be just as taxing on your soul as worldliness is. This is, this is really about just coming back to the daily graces of worship, of fellowship, of reading, of receiving and sharing truth in our life. You know, last night there was a few of our young men that met together for the Code, the Code of Man Fellowship, and uh, practiced good social distancing and did not violate the uh, ordinance of number of people gathered. But uh, we came together just for a discipleship time, and it was just great help to my meditation because it brought me to a place of reflecting on God's Word, reflecting on what God is doing, and not only to realize it, but to be able to share it with them, and, and vice versa, them to share with me and with one another. And that's just something that we need. That, this is what it's talking about, to delight in the law of the Lord and meditate in it day and night. Are you taking a knee? You know, uh, take some time out during the day just to turn your heart back to God. That's what I mean by that. You know, in the Army, we called it taking the knee. You're out in the field, you're training, you've been at it all morning, and now the platoon comes to a stop, right? And the leaders are assessing the situation. They're reporting back to the company. And in between the push from this objective to that objective, good leaders will remind soldiers, hey, take a knee, drink some water. That's just good leadership right there. That's good counsel. And I'm saying to you tonight, God wants us to take a knee during this season and drink some water. What does that mean? Hey, let's pray and let's read God's Word and let's get saturated in truth. Let's get saturated in His life and in His light and in His love. That's what God wants us to do right now. What a wonderful thing that is. What is this uh, creating sacred space look like? I will tell you, it's a continuous union. That's the third thing. It's a continuous union. Ultimately, this is what we're after in this pursuit, to find this day and night living with Jesus. That's what he's, he's out to create in us. In the book of John, chapter 15, I just want to read these verses. John, chapter number 15, listen to the words of Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. I want to stop right there and tell you, I believe, friends, that we are in a purging season right now. God is trying to purge us so that we can bring forth more fruit as individuals, as a church. I, I believe that with all my heart. I am encouraged by that. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. We need this continual union with God, this continuous union with the Lord Jesus. You see, the goal here is something more than just faith. Something more than just saying, you know what, I believe in God. I know who God is. But this is about becoming one with God. Creating that sacred space in your life is about becoming one with God. So what's the result of this? I want to conclude here. What's the result of this? Well, Psalm 1, verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in this season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Look at, look at the result of this. Planted. Planted in the right place. And this word 
It means literally to be transplanted. What it means is, is that God picks me up from where I am and he replants me where he wants me, where I can receive the most goodness and the most grace from him. I'm a tree planted by the water. I'm not a tree in the dry land. God doesn't want us there. He is trying to transplant us to a place where we can soak up more of him in our daily life. And, and listen, you can pick your own path if you want to, but I promise you we'll be better off to just yield ourselves to him. Planted in the right place, producing in the right time. You see, God is certainly aware of our calendar, isn't he? And he created the, uh, the world and he created the system of time and all of that. But God doesn't concern him so much, himself so much with the issues of time as with timing. And this whole thing is in God's timing, friend. It is so we will produce for him in the right time. This is our season. This is our time. This is us being brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Planted in the right place, producing in the right time, preserved in the right order. You see, if we neglect the Lord, we can be measured uh, or uh, assured, rather, uh, that no matter how much material success we can, we may be able to pile up and find in this life, we will be poor and dried up spiritually, and therefore we'll be decaying in what matters the most. And so, I want to be preserved in the right order here. You know, I want to do this God's way, prosperous in the right things. In our fleshly selves, we don't always desire the right things. And as a Christian, if you're pursuing the world and its tricks and its treasures, you're going to find only disappointment. You're going to feel stuck. You're going to feel trapped. But child of God, if you'll pursue your heavenly Father, tonight if you will seek Him with all of your heart and, and you'll find in His plan this truth that you are able to break out. You can go over the wall. You can prosper in the things of God. Now, come back to Jesus and, and we're done. You see, in Mark chapter number 3, I see how Jesus really lives this out. He produces this fruit. He, he goes about his work. You remember all the things I mentioned? Everybody coming against him, all that trouble, all that work, all the demand, everybody needing something, people accusing him, people plotting to try to get rid of him. And yet, and yet, he goes about his work and he goes about his relations with others with complete honesty, with complete confidence. He's detached from those unreal and unimportant things that are trying to rob his peace. You know, look, look at this. Mark chapter 3 and verse 21. Let me tell you what Jesus, I, see if this doesn't feel like your life sometimes. His friends think he's crazy. You ever notice that? Verse 21. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said he is beside himself. They thought this guy was crazy. Now, I'm going to tell you, sometimes people think you're crazy when you're just pursuing God. Let them think it. Be crazy for the Lord. I promise you, it'll be worth it. Hey, the religious leaders, they think he's full of the devil. You know, isn't that ironic? Verse 22 says, And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. They're accusing him of being... I tell you what, if the enemy is accusing you, if the other side is accusing you of wrong, you know you're in the right place. I mean, I want to be where Jesus was. His friends think he's crazy. The religious leaders think he's satanic. His family just won't seem to quit all this and come home and quit living like a hermit. Verse 31, it said, There came then his brethren and his mother, standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude set about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. They just wanted him to stop all this. Just come home, Jesus. Just quit this stuff. Quit living like a hermit out here on the mountain with these boys and come home. You know, I tell you, not everybody's going to understand it. When you set your heart to create space for God, create sacred space, and just invite more of God into your life, you're going to stand out. Hey, you don't need earrings, tattoos, you don't need wild hair and whatever else the world's trying to do these days. You don't have to be a gold club member at Starbucks. You don't have to be a gold jacket wearer from the PGA. I, I'm just naming stuff. You don't need any of that stuff. You want to stand out? Walk with Jesus. That's the way to do it. Hey, it'll work every time. What was Jesus' reaction? Well, verse 33 says, they, And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which said about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. You see, their opinions would not define, they would not distract, they would not distress Jesus. He had his true joy, his true focus, his true identity in the will of the Father. Now listen, you don't get there without creating sacred space in your life for God to come in and feel. And tonight I want to pray that for you, that you would let God do that in your heart. 
You know, I'm going to trans transfer over to our closing time of prayer together. And this evening, I want to use Psalm 63. Psalm 63 is such a wonderful uh, psalm in the Bible, and it's a psalm of David. In fact, the title of it is a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness. And, uh, you know, I have referred more than once here lately to this season that we're in as being like a time of wilderness. And it kind of feels like that sometimes. It's a strange land. And as I read the words of Psalm 63, especially the first uh, few verses of it, and I want to focus there and kind of use that as a way to make our prayer tonight, I, I, I just want us to pray it together. So if you have your Bible and you'd like to look at Psalm 63, I'm going to kind of read through that, pray that prayer for us tonight. And in this, let's pray together that God would help us to create these sacred spaces. Can we do that? And then let's do this. Let's also pray tonight that... Uh, that the Lord will just bless. There's some people, and I'm going to mention some special requests here before we start, and we just want to lift them up tonight. I want to ask you, if you would, this evening, to remember Andy and Debbie, and remember their daughter, Amber, who's going to have surgery, heart surgery on Friday, and I just am praying that God would, would surround them with peace during this time and fill them with faith as well. And I want to ask you to remember tonight Preacher Jack and Miss Jean, of course, as they still recover from some sickness and, and from his fall uh, the other day, and so continue to lift them up. I was thinking about how we should pray for uh, Miss Catherine Wright over in Israel. Just continue to lift her up as she's over there serving the Lord as our missionary. And then, of course, Ernie and Nancy Wyrick in Alaska, they have been affected by all of this as well. So let's pray for our missionaries tonight. Let's also remember uh, Brother David and, and Miss Beverly Stewart, their neighbor, Miss Luann, who lost her husband this week. Many of you probably know about that, uh, lost her husband to the, this coronavirus. And so I think we should pray for her tonight, just pray for God's peace in her life as well. And I think about our good friend, Dave Compton. You know, we love and appreciate Brother Dave Compton. He's been such a blessing and a partner in ministry with us here at McLeansville for, you know, uh, 40 years, I, I think. It's just a long, long time. And you know, Brother Dave has been laid off from his work there at WPET, and our hearts are sad for that. What a, what a loss that is, and that's certainly one of those things we don't fully understand. And we just pray that God will make that, turn that thing and make it a great success for Brother Dave during these days. And, and we'd like to be a part of that by praying for him together tonight. I know there's many others that we could and should lift up. Uh, I want to remember Miss Eileen Kellum and the family and the loss of her grandson this past week. Just so many that have gone through difficult times. Some I won't even know about. Many of you are struggling with some things tonight. But let's take all of this to the Lord in prayer together this evening as we come to the close of our, of our time together tonight. So join me as we pray. Now, Father, I just want to stop right now. I know tonight I enjoyed the Bible study time. I enjoyed getting to bring this message this evening uh, together with your people, with our folks, our fellowship. And, uh, Lord, I'd love so much to have been together in the sanctuary tonight with each and every one of them. But I thank you for the privilege of broadcasting this through the recording. And I pray that you would help each one of us tonight to receive this truth and be deliberate about it, Lord. Be devotional about it. Be dedicated in this. That we're going to seek to create that sacred space in our day, in our lives, in our hearts to invite you in. Lord, to make more room for you. I pray that we'll do that first thing in the morning tomorrow and not let this slip by. But we'll go ahead and just get real diligent about it. Lord, I ask you to do a special work in the lives of those that we have just mentioned. And I may have forgot somebody. Lord, I certainly don't intend to. Lord, I'll think about others after this prayer time is done. But I just pray for each one of these that I've mentioned tonight. And, and uh, again, Miss Amber, uh, Debbie, and Andy's a uh, daughter that's getting ready to have the surgery on Friday. Lord, we just lift her up to you tonight, the entire family. God, surround them with your mercy and your peace tonight. I pray for Preacher Jack and Miss Jean. Continue to strengthen them, help them in their recovery. Lord, we love them. We pray your blessing on them. They're such a blessing to our church and have been for so many years. And then Miss Callum tonight, who has, of course, walked through many difficult days and trials in her life. And now to see the passing of her grandson, I pray a special prayer for her. Much grace in her life tonight, Lord. Lift her, encourage her. God, be a blessing to her tonight, and I know you will. I pray for our missionaries, especially Miss Catherine, for Brother Ernie and Miss Nancy in Alaska. God, I pray a special blessing on them tonight. Encourage them in their walk with you and in their service for you. Help them to find the ways to continue to do great ministry, trusting you to, to touch people's lives and, and lift people. And, Lord, I, I pray that you'd be with Brother Dave Compton tonight, Lord. Just 
pray that you would encourage his heart. I know you have a special plan for him. I know you want to do something for him and help him, Lord. We thank you for the years of ministry. We've been partnered together. And, Lord, we trust that the, that has not come to an end. We trust that it's not over. But, God, that you will put him in a place where he'll be able to serve you and continue to use the talent and the heart that you've given him. I pray for Miss Luann, David and Beverly's uh, neighbor. Lord, as she is, I'm sure, just grieving heavily tonight over the loss of her husband, a marriage of many, many years, much life together, and so much I'm sure she's reflecting on tonight. But I pray for your grace in her heart this evening. God, sustain her during this time. Help her to experience your love in a way like she never has. And I know there are many tonight that are, that are feeling loss and separation. God, we are in a wilderness. And so as we come to the close of our prayer time tonight, I just want to pray even as David prayed. Oh God, you are our God. And God, early will we seek you. And God, our souls thirst for you. Our flesh longs for you in this dry and thirsty land where no water is. And God, it can feel that way sometimes for each and every one of us. I don't know anybody that I've talked to lately that hasn't had a day or two where they just felt down, just felt under the cloud, so to speak. Oh, but God, you are the one that raises us up and lifts us up. And God, our prayer tonight is that we might see your power and your glory as we have seen you in the sanctuary. And oh, God, while we're separated, while we're unable to be in the, the physical sanctuary together right now, God, may we, united in our hearts and united in our prayers, may we see your power and glory. And I pray, God, that as your people create this sacred space in their, their day and in their lives, that they will experience your power and glory in that. God, because your loving kindness is better than life. Ha. God, there's nothing this world could offer us that would be more refreshing and more restoring to our soul than just your loving kindness. Oh, God, give us that tonight. Give it to those this evening who are hurting right now. And even if we're not hurting right now, we need it. God, give it to us, I pray. Flood our souls with your loving kindness. And our lips, Lord, will praise you for what you do. Oh, God, give us your sweet peace. Thus will we bless you, Lord, while we live. We will lift up our hands, God, in your name. God, our soul will be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And our mouths will praise thee with joyful lips. As we remember you on our bed and meditate on you in the night watches. God, thou hast been our help. And in the shadow of thy wings, we will rejoice tonight. And all of this, we pray in faith and in great hope, trusting you, receiving from you, Lord, whatever you're offering. God, help us to do more dwelling with you. Help us to experience more abiding in you. Help us to create sacred space tonight. And all this I pray in Jesus' name and thank you for it. Amen. Oh, folks, thank you for being a part of it tonight. I have so enjoyed the Word of God and this time with you. And I hope you'll enjoy the song that we close with tonight. Uh, listen to it. Let it minister to your heart. It would be a great encouragement to you. I appreciate the Morrisons uh, that were with us last year. And these songs are a special blessing. I know to many of you they will be again. God bless you. We'll see you soon.
Hey